Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You know, I've been excited. I've, we've been talking Browns, but man, I have been wanting to talk Cavaliers, man. I've been wanting to talk Cavaliers all week. Been ready for this. And in order to do so, you know, I had to call my guy. I had to call my guy, Chris Manning. Host from Lockdown Cavs. You guys can read his stuff at Fear the Sword, Uprocks, Dime. Look, wherever the hell you get your, your basketball news, you know you got to go to Chris Manning, CWM Rights on Twitter. Chris, how you doing, my man? How was your Thanksgiving? Heck, my Thanksgiving was wonderful. It is better now that I'm speaking to you and you just put me <laughs> over like that. Unbelievable stuff. <laughs> I mean, hey, you, you guys have the tougher job of trying to put me over on your podcast, so I appreciate Look, I, it. I have to put over every, every single day, and it, it's a lot of work. You're on you're, 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 you're Oh, man, Chris, let's hit, let's hit the big news of the day here, and, and that is that according to Sham Sharania and multiple reports, uh, including your co-host Evan Damro as well, um, Evan Mobley looks like he's going to be coming back uh, tomorrow against the, uh, the Magic. And, you know, they've certainly been missing him on the defensive end. It seems like they've just been so close to getting into the win column and if you look at the the win lot the wins and losses, it, it would seem like it's a bigger story. But it, it feels like they've been right on the cusp of a couple wins this past week, uh, week and a half. It seems like for you, what do you think that Evan Mobley will bring back to to the lineup, and uh, especially coming up against this tough stretch of games? Yeah, you know, I think he provides another layer of infrastructure on both ends of the floor that the team really needs. I mean. Uh, the defensive end, I think everyone knows this This defense this year has been built around the combination of Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. But I think on offense, they miss him too. And I think right now where they're still trying to figure out their post-conflict identity and then the floor, trying to figure out like how to kind of manufacture easy buckets. Because I think, to put it kindly, the Cavs offense has looked laborious of late, really looks like it's having to work for everything it gets. Mobley is a guy that can provide, help alleviate some of that. He's going to you know, have a little bit of shot-making ability. But he's a good passer out of the short roll. When he um, he doesn't really set screens, but he slips a lot of screens and then slips towards the rim and, and will pass out of that well. He he's a skilled offensive player, even if he's still kind of raw. So I think he just provides another really good player. And look, aside from the Sexton bit of it, which is obviously a whole year thing because of the meniscus, Mobley being back and Lamar Stevens being back as well looks like means the Cavs are as healthy as they are going to be right now. As, in, in, as they've been in some time. And if they're going to start figuring out what their identity is, it's good to get, you know, perhaps the most important player in the franchise and Evan Mobley back to start figuring that out. And, and you know, is notably a little bit ahead of schedule, too, based on, you know, when the injury happened and when he's coming back. Now, Chris, so looking at the way that the last few few games have played out, 
Um, it, it really just seems like it, it's all about the fourth quarter for them and just kind of closing out games. You know, what do you think the Cavaliers have to do to kind of get take that next step and you know close out some of these games against you know tough opponents that you know have veterans across their roster? Yeah, I think some of it is just they're they're still growing up. This is a young team. Darius Garland is you know learning how to control the the reins of of an offense, and you know obviously he's in big foul trouble against Phoenix. Um, you know, like Ricky Rubio had an off night, and like when that happens, it's just like okay, that's going to happen. Rubio's not going to necessarily be as hot as he's been this whole year. You have to learn how to navigate that and be a little less reliant on him to some degree. Um, you know, like, but again, I think getting guys healthy and getting guys back in the flow is going to alleviate some of this. And I think some of it, frankly, is like they're hopefully not going to run out of gas now, right? Like, they just have more bodies. Even if J.B. Bickerstaff trusts his top seven or top eight more than he trusts, you know, nine, ten, eleven, or whatever, they at least can run lineups and, and rotations a little longer to keep guys fresh. Because I think at times they just have looked tired because they just haven't had as many bodies to throw out there. And I think if they're healthy and and they can kind of go that way, then I kind of think they're at least in a better spot to have some of these guys not look as worn out and, and fatigued when they get into the fourth. And a team like the Suns, you know, maybe won't, you know, go off. But certain games, like, you're, you might just lose to the Suns. The Suns are really good, and it's, but it, you're going to grow up at least from some of those experiences, I think. Now, the other part of this, too, and where I think that the Cavs actually kind of benefited from having some of these or having as many injuries at once is that you got a chance to check out some of those guys that were you know, near the end of the bench who weren't getting as much run. You know, Of those guys that you've seen more of uh, over this last uh, week and a half or so, two weeks, you know, who do you think is a shot to actually stick in the rotation that we've seen? It's, I don't think it's actually a good – my answer to this is almost like I think we need to see more Jody Osmond. I think that's where I'm at because I don't feel like Dylan Windler's giving you much. Um, I, I think, you know, Dean Wade is probably the the right answer here because I think he's been pretty effective for the most part as kind of like the Larry marketing replacement. It has really competed in the defensive end in, in space, which has been a concern for him. But I think it's really him and Osmond is the only two guys. Like, Windler's been kind of eh. Denzel Valentine has been kind of eh. Like, I, I think it's those two guys, and then you've got, you you know, you roll, so it's going to be, what, your starting five of Garland, Okoro, Markkinen, um, Love and Mobley, or excuse me, Mobley and Allen, Kevin Love, Larry Markkinen, Ricky Rubio, and then you get into, I think, I'd go from there, like, Dean Wade, if you, if you can squeeze another big in, and um, just a lot of Jetty. I think Jetty probably deserves more of an uptick of minutes over any of the guys that we've seen in that, you know, 10 to 12 range. You know, what have you made of Ch- of Chetty? Because I-, I would say this, from watching the run that he has been on, and, and he talked about it after uh, the last Phoenix game as well, where, you know, it really seemed like that was where things turned for him. So, for you, what do you make of Chetty Osmond's run here as of late? And, you know, do you think that he's going to be able to kind of sustain, not necessarily the 25, 23 points uh, the last couple of games, but, you know, what do you expect out of Chetty as the season goes on? Yeah, I think there's two ways I would note this. Number one, I think Ricky Rubio has been really helpful to him, and I think that's been the clearest direct correlation between a guy helping this team. Like him, if he's Rubio, I think obviously helps the team. I think if there's one specific guy he's helped, it's been Jetty. If you go and like look at the lineups where and the data of what they say, without getting into like the full nitty gritty of it, Jetty has like really been really really good, and the lineups have been really really good when it's Rubio and Osmond, and when it's with Osmond without other players or Osmond without Rubio, excuse me, he's been bad. And like there, it's still relatively small sample sizes and things, but there's probably something to that in my mind. 
but the eye test certainly, I think, leads you to that conclusion. And I think just Jetty, like we, I think perhaps as a collective Cavs community um, and people covering and talking about this team, I think that like we probably got too low on him because I think their last year was so bad and it was <laughs> extremely bad in all the ways that make you really concerned. But like the data before that didn't lead you to think that that was like actually maybe his reality. And it seems like the Rubio thing and like maybe a, a more normal season and, and whatever has led him to just being a, a more of the odds than we sort of expect. And again, I think you're right. I don't know if he's going to run this hot, but like some of the stuff we've seen Jetty do this year, you know, some of the shot making, some of the creation, some of the just, you know, especially while they don't have Colin, like just making a play when they kind of need a guy to create something out of nothing. He's shown that ability in the NBA. He's shown that ability in particular with the Turkish national team. Like this isn't like totally out of left field to some degree, but it kind of feels like it because of how bad last year was. But I think perhaps we just got too low on, on what he was. With Evan Mobley coming back, what are what would you say are fair expectations for Isaac Okoro in the starting lineup now that we're getting that full starting rotation? I think I think you've got to just see Isaac continue to grow. I because you know I'm an Isaac. I'm on like <laughs> if there's like a if there's like an Okoro like I don't know what the right word for it is. Like I we can't reuse Island because like that's there's there's only one Island and it's Waiters Island. Um, <laughs> I I don't know what the the the, the landmass here is, but I, I think Okoro is like already better than I think some people think he is. I think we just need to see it, the offense be kind of consistent. I think you can see if you watch him shoot. You can see a guy who's working on a shot because sometimes the arc of his shot, the release of his shot, looks different um, in, in the game. Like some shots will go flat. Some shots will have that nice high arc and the follow-through is good. Like there is some inconsistency there. But I think Mobley, as a guy who can feed him off of cuts, as a guy who maybe can face the floor a little bit, um, if, if that continues to be something he adds as he did before his injury, like if he comes in, plays – you know, 25, 30 minutes, the defense is really, really good, and he kind of keeps adding to his offensive repertoire and looks more comfortable as he you know, is able to string some games together after he missed a bunch of time. Like, I think he'll be fine, and I think he'll, the expectations are that he can look like a solid starter. Even if the fit right now is perhaps imperfect, like this is still kind of early in this Cavs like, renaissance process, and I think uh, shots to John Bale and renaissance. But like, <laughs> the reality is just like we are still figuring out what all of this really is, and Okoro, I think just as much as anyone deserves time to kind of grow into whatever he's going to be. But I think there certainly, I think just offensive consistency as he, if he can settle into a starting role would be a good thing. Sticking with the, uh, the rotation there, the starting rotation, at least, um, Lowry Markinen, you know, he's been somebody throughout this season who, you know, has played a little inconsistent, at least in my mind, um, obviously coming back from the COVID list, but, you know, he's shooting at 28% last I checked from beyond the arc, uh, at least heading into Wednesday's game. You know, when do you expect him to kind of be able to turn that back around and maybe get that three-point percentage back up a little bit? You would just hope, I think, it just kind of happens, right? Like, I mean, statistically, <laughs> it's just not ever been what he's – he's never been this bad from three-point. And, you know, certainly I think they've added some defensive responsibility to his plate. Um, you know, he's, he's probably expending more energy on defense this year when he's played and obviously was, as you mentioned, not on the COVID list, but like he's probably expended more energy in that end of the floor than he has for much of his career. So there's probably some adjustment there, but I would just imagine he's at some point just going to like shoot normally. Like even if his overall percentage for the year is like a little bit down, I think like you just expect him to normalize to some degree. 
Um, and I think, you know, the guy that maybe can get some looks off of Mobley kind of flipping and feeding to the corners or off to the wing, like maybe you see him get to run a, a – they'll run double drag or pick and roll to kind of get him popping out. Like, I think there's little stuff they could do to kind of get him in rhythm. But I, I think certainly you'd expect him just based on his history is – it's not a deep, like, 10-year history or anything, but, like, the history of him in the league has been – he's at least going to be able to shoot threes at a decent clip. And you would expect that, I think, just to normalize sooner rather than later, if it's, as long as it's like a bizarre down year for whatever reason. One player that I, I've been keeping my eye on and, you know, played phenomenally on Wednesday night was Kevin Love. And, and the way that he's been able to buy in under J.B. Bickerstaff, you know, what have you made on, of Kevin Love uh, and his season to date? And, you know, on top of that, too, you know, how do you think that, his role will be now with Mobley coming back and you still have Markkinen, uh healthy and everything like that. Yeah, I, I think Kevin, aside from Jetty, and I think perhaps more than Jetty just because of the the prestige and things he has, like has been one of the pleasant surprises of the season. Like, I don't think there was anyone who was thinking about this team that really thought of Kevin Love as perhaps a plus for this team in any way, right? And he, he's been a solid contributor. Um, I think he's competed on defense. He's, you know, not let's say, throwing uh, fits in the way he was in the past, you know, as far as we understood it, and, like, everything with him seems to just be on a positive route. Like, I think certainly, like, you know, maybe both sides, if you hit them with true serum, they'd probably still maybe like to go their separate ways, and the Cavs could have some cap space to work with, and he could go play where he wants to play. But, like, I think right now both sides are getting something out of this, and I think that's sort of what you want to see here with him. And supporting him in spots where he can do what he does, I think that's made him comfortable. I, and I also just think he's accepted his role. It's like, look, this is a team I'm going to play 20 minutes a night. I think that stays that way with kind of going forward. I, uh, if I compete and do that, I'm going to get minutes. And he seems to also just like be engaged with the team in a way he maybe hasn't since LeBron left. And, I, you know, some of that could be, you know, outwardly facing. There's probably, again, we don't always know everything here, but the optics and everything feels like Kevin has been the best version of Kevin Love we've seen in, in quite some time. And if you're the Cavs, like, this is – if you have him on the roster, this is, I think, a lot of what you could have wanted from him. And he, I, I, last time I looked, his numbers weren't even exactly where you would kind of think they would be. And he yeah, was on the COVID list as well. So, I mean, you could argue, like, maybe you can get his numbers up a little bit. And if him and Markkinen – I mean, frankly, if him and Markkinen could both, like, hit threes at a pretty high clip the rest of the year that kind of, like, gets them back to where they should be or historically have been – the offense will like look better if they can just get a little bit more uh, luck from three because the Cavs are like 15th in three-point rate, about league average, and they're like near the bottom of the league in percentage. So you would hope that some of the stuff they just make more shots and with some of the guys that have historically been okay okay to good shooters and, and some of this normalizes, and Kevin is certainly on that list. Chris Manning of Locked on Cavs joining me on the, on the, on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Uh, Chris, I, I got to ask you, man, because it, it was firing me up after the game, but the referees, man, I, I just got to get your take on, because it, it, I I know that you get a couple of bad calls every game. Sure. Like every fan will have that, but it, it's been damn near putrid the last couple of games, at least when it comes to the Cavs and in, in terrible situations, uh, I'll add against Brooklyn with a Rubio three, uh, and then the foul on on JaVale McGee, 60 feet away from the Chetty Osmond three-pointer. Just what were your thoughts on the referees uh, the last couple of games, man? Well, I, I think the thing broadly for me is I think take fouls are really bad. I hate take fouls. I hate that open floor take foul. I think the JaVale take foul that, uh, as you as you noted, like cost them the Rubio through, which would have been a pivotal make 
the JD3, excuse me, that would have been a pivotal make. Like, that's just objectively, like, a dumb call. I hate that that call exists. I hate that they call that call. I think it wrecks the flow of the game. I think it's bad for every single team that that foul is a thing. Um, there, there's, you know, a lot of smarter people than me have talked about, like, the idea for, like, a an advantage rule where, like, you foul, you let the play continue, and or, or you do something to just kind of let the game of the flow continue, and you you know, put really hard penalties on guys that are going to really commit a serious foul in the open floor like that, like a flagrant two or something like that automatically. So I I just think that there were some of those rules just were, were quite silly and bad. And and I think, but I think certainly, I think when the league, we, we've seen the league this year, I'm sure that if we dove down deep into like the each Twitter group, like <laughs> of fans, I think everyone would probably like kind of assume their team is getting hosed a little bit. But I think the league has like kind of let things play this year, and some of it there ha- there have been some really poorly refed games. Like I thought the the Warriors game in particular was like really kind of like not a well called game in terms of how it how it flowed, and I think the Cavs certainly got some of the rough side of the stick there. But I think we're seeing what we're seeing is more of the refs like adjust to the way that they're calling games now, which is a little more physical, let them play a little bit more. And I think that's ultimately good. I think the product of basketball itself this year has been mostly very good. But, yeah, I don't blame people at all for being mad about the fouls. But get rid of the take foul. And uh, also, I think fouling up three is for cowards. That's my other take. Complete. I was about to mention that one. I complete, I saw your tweet, and I loved it after the game. Hate it. Hate it. <laughs> I hate it. It's not fun to watch. And I understand they have – Checks to make and they're, they're they're judging wins and wins and losses, not wins and lessons or whatever. I think fouling up three is is awful and and is not fun. Just it sucks. Chris, last one for you, and I was gonna throw this out to the fans, but I want to throw it to you first. What is one Thanksgiving Day food that should not be, and what is one food that is not a Thanksgiving Day food that should be? Oh man, um, gotta catch you off guard. I gotta. I'm filling. I'm filling the Evan roll for the day. Yeah, my my brain is cracked, and I've <laughs> I've now just perpetually. Um, hmm. I am not like a, so. I I recently learned that there's like some people that do meatloaf on Thanksgiving, and that feels wrong to me. <laughs> like that just doesn't feel right to me. Um, I would also say if we're talking about foods that should add in, I think I this is maybe like a cop out answer. I just think the people that think turkey's bad have just had never had someone actually cook them a proper turkey that is moist and seasoned correctly. <laughs> Like just get just like find someone to cook you better food is my answer to people who think turkey <laughs> Turkey is a Thanksgiving food. I completely just agree. Season yeah, season it well, cook it correctly, don't dry it out, and you'll have a delicious meal, delicious protein on your Thanksgiving plate. And you don't have to like go on go and consider turkeys dry and bad just because you don't the people in your family don't know how to cook. <laughs> completely agree, Chris Manning from the Lockdown Cavs. Uh, as well as Fear the Sword. You guys can find him on Twitter, at CMWRights. Chris, thank you so much, and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, my friend. Mac, to you as well, and thanks, buddy. Thank you very much. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.